You're listening to this week's message from Freedom Church. For more info on Freedom, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening. Today, um, we're in a series called Core Values. And the whole point of the series is because we have experienced a lot of growth, um, we, we want to make sure that everybody understands what we're doing and why we're doing it. And, and our core values are seven things that we have that basically dictate how we do things and why we do things, okay? Um, one of those things being what we're going to talk about today. And so if you will go ahead and put those on the screen. Um, if There we go. Thank you. Can we go ahead and get those on the screen, please? There we go. Thanks. All right. Jesus is our message. People are our priority. Uh, development is our focus. Unity is our pursuit. Team is our structure. Excellence is our standard. Generosity is our privilege. These are our core values. So every single thing that we do at Freedom Church filters through these things. Now, last week we talked about Jesus being the message, y'all. We are married to the message, but we are not married to the method. I will crucify any program that violates the message or the thing that we're going to talk about to that today, and that's people being the priority. So why don't we stop and take time uh, at the beginning of service to pray for one of our, our church members that's going through a real tough time. Why? It's because people are the priority. Yes, I know we got time, and I know the burrito's waiting on us to eat, and I, I know all that stuff, and we got stuff to do today, but, but we're going to take time this morning and make sure that our family is covered in prayer. Amen? Yeah. Here's what we say on our website. People are God's greatest treasure. And if God thinks that, we do too. People matter, and that means we value them, love them, serve them, and invest in them no matter what. We make sure we do these things. When we think about people, this is what we're thinking about. This is what we're trying to do. Now listen, we do our best to do it. We, we try we try, but can I tell y'all something? I gotta, I gotta be honest with you. We ain't perfect either. You know what I'm saying? Like there are going to be times when we fail and we fall and times where we don't invest exactly the right way or we don't serve in the right way. But I can tell you something we always do. We always will love you. We're always going to show love. And, and you know, there've been times I'm sure you've experienced this when even you've been betrayed. You've reached out, you've given, you've invested and people betrayed you. They hug you. And while they're hugging you, they're slowly sticking the knife in you. Come on. You ever experienced that? Yeah, we've experienced that. Trust again anyway. Serve anyway. Love them still. Why? Does that mean putting yourself in a situation where you know you're going to get hurt? Chill out. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about casting our pearls before swine. But what we are saying is this. When the next person comes and the next family comes and the next friend comes, you don't treat the new friend based on the relationship you had with the old friend because that's not fair, is it? I mean, how would you like Jesus to treat you based on how somebody else rejected him? That would not be a cool thing. Imagine if, if you treated your spouse like you treated the girlfriend you was with before you met your spouse. Chill out, bro. Okay, marriage class comes right after second service on every Sunday. Because when you say something like, well, Sally never did that. What? You better ask your mama, bro, because you're about to get the, the hug with the knife. That's you, maybe. That's, that's what's supposed to happen. There's this, there's this story, though, in the Bible. It's a, it's a parable, um, and it's really, it's really interesting. It's the weirdest parable, I think, uh, of the whole Bible. And uh, I think, though, it explains the point we're trying to make here today. It's in Luke 16, verses 1 through 9. It says this, Jesus told this story to his disciples. There was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs, one day, a report came to that manager. Was a, a, a report that came. The manager was racing his employer's money. 
So the employer called him in and said, hey, what's this I hear about you? Get your report in order because you're going to be fired. The manager thought to himself, now what? My boss has fired me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches, and I'm too proud to beg. If you go look in Matthew Henry about that specific phrase, I think it's interesting that Matthew Henry's thought process is that it's not that he couldn't dig ditches. It's just that he was lazy. Um, so that could, be, that could help us understand what's going on here. Uh, I know how to ensure that I have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I'm fired. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, how much do you owe him? The man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, take the bill and quickly change it to 400 gallons. Come on, employers. How would y'all like somebody to do that? Like, we got 14 shirts. Mm, Change it to seven. Mm, That's going to be a problem. The man said, uh, and how much do you owe him? Uh, Asked the next man. Uh, He asked the next man, I owe him 1,000 bushels of wheat. Here, the manager said, take a bill and change it to 800 bushels. The rich man, the Bible says here, had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. And it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of light. What a strange story. It's super strange. Now, Jesus had just finished telling the disciples, uh, uh, the people, the parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son. Okay, so, so you have to look at this story in conjunction with those stories because it's all happening at once. Now, what we're talking about here is something that in the theological world we call systematic theology. It's where you take one Bible verse and then you look at the chapter, the book, and then the context of the entire Bible to ascertain what it means. Biblical theology is just taking that one verse and figuring out what it means because it's just that one verse. Now, you need to do systematic theology because the book as a whole has a meaning, the entire Bible, but then all the books themselves have a meaning, and then it all relates and it's all interconnected. So you can't look at one verse and come up with your own theology that's counter to the entire theology of the Bible. That's why we use systematic theology. But Jesus had just said about the, 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 the sheep, the coin, and the son. Now, the 99, he left the, the 99 to find the one, right? This is something we use a lot of times in church. And it's a way that we try to say that we're prioritizing people, but, but it's not necessarily what we're talking about here in this specific scripture. It's leaving the 99 to go get the one is one has been lost. So you have to first say the one that walked away is lost. The, the coin is lost, So Jesus is talking about two things here. Number one, something that walks away on its own volition, and then something that has no choice. So it's lost. They're both lost, though. And then you have the son. Boy, the son, he he took his dad's, half of his dad's wealth and went and squandered it on licentious living, the Bible talks about. He blew it. Yet the father still welcomes the son back home. The the coin is rejoiced over when it's found. Right? The, The sheep... There's a celebration. And now this weird story about a cheat. Well, in in verse 9, we see, here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. What is this parable about, man? It's so strange. It's like we're all over the place. Like, is it it about losing? Is it about finding? Is it about what? What's it about? Could it be? Could it be this? That the employer was okay with losing a little bit of money because while the manager did it in a selfish way, he still prioritized people. Think about that. He called in the guy that owed 800 bushels and said, hey, cut it in half. He, he reduced 
that guy's burden by half. Now, if you're the employer, you're thinking, no, he stole, he stole from me. You know, Jesus, Jesus reduced your burden, didn't he? He didn't do it by half either. And it didn't cost him $400, 400 bushels. It cost him his life. So could Jesus be saying in this moment, listen, I know, I know there's been some nefarious dealing here, but at least my people are being taken care of. Now, here's what's really interesting. You, you may have a hard time settling that in your stomach. And, and I have a hard time with it too, because it's like the justice in me rises up. No, that boy needs to get what he got coming to him. You know what I'm saying? He's going to get, because guess what? He's fired. But in his last ditch effort to save himself, what he did was he stopped being a burden to people and he started being a blessing to people. Well, back to this weird story. We see a change in the shrewd manager. It's not one we'd like to see. We'd like to see him like actually starting to care about what's going on. Can we just go ahead and turn him off? Like slide this letter down. Um, what, that's what we want to do. Uh, we, we want him to think, okay, I'm going to be kind and I'm going to do the right thing. But, but that's, not, that's not what happened. And, and here's something I think that's important is we have to understand that the rich man understood that money was not actually the most important thing to the rich man. The rich man had understood what the Bible says in Luke 16, 11, which is in the same context here. If you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? Well, what are the true riches of heaven? It's people. People are the true riches. That's exactly what it was. See, the rich man learned long ago that money wasn't the most important thing in life. He'd learned a long time ago that the reason he had money to begin with was so that he could be a blessing in the kingdom. And listen, God doesn't mind you having nice stuff. Oh, God doesn't want me to have a fancy car. Have the fancy car. Have the fancy house. Have nice clothes. Just don't let those things have you. That's the problem. We get wrapped up with this, oh, if I have a fancy car, then people will know who I am. Well, you just messed up, buddy, because you created an idol out of that thing. I got to have a big fancy house. I, I talked to a guy one time, lived in a shack, but he drove a $60,000 car. I was like, what is going on, bro? Like, what's it? He says, people see me in my car, but they don't know where I live. It's wild, isn't it? That's not what money is about. So even if the rich man lost a little money, at least the people were prioritized. You know, something that was really going on here was there's a really hard flex on the Pharisees too. Um, Luke 16, 14 and 15, the Pharisees who dearly loved their money heard all of this and scoffed at him. Then he said to them, you like to appear righteous in public, but God knows your hearts. What the world honors is detestable in the sight of God. See, the, the Pharisees were the shrewd manager. They were cheating people and robbing people, and beating down people. And Jesus turns to the disciples and looks at them and says, listen, worldly wealth is not about you. It's about moving the kingdom. It's about people. It's about being a blessing. And he says, "If when you use your worldly resources to bless others, and when those resources run out, you will still have treasure. How is that possible? 
Now listen, I'm not telling you by any stretch to run your personal accounts to nothing so the church can be blessed. That's being a bad manager. But I want you to know something. Money is here today and it's gone tomorrow. And you might gain a million today and it might be gone tomorrow. And so what you have to do with whatever God increases you with, whether it's money in hand, whether it's a house, whether it's a car, use those things to bless the Lord. We have a nice house and I like our house, but we use our house every single week to bring people in so they can be developed and be be trained up and be raised up. And God can use our house to move the kingdom forward. That's what it's for. We had a truck this week that was being used to move furniture into a house for somebody that needed some furniture. How is that not using that vehicle to bless the kingdom? You see what I'm saying? So it's not always about dollars and cents. It's about your worldly resources being used to move the kingdom of God forward. That's what it's about. And when, even if that money were to run out and those resources were to run out, you've got so much treasure in heaven because you've been investing in people. No matter how much, how awesome money is, it can't compare to human beings, to souls. And that's who God has called us to change. That's what God wants us to do. But for some reason, many churches don't put people as the priority. They don't. And there's this great teaching from this, um, this awesome guy in South Lake, Texas. His name is Tom Lane. He's the senior, uh, senior executive pastor at Gateway Church. And um, I've known Tom Lane for, I don't know, probably about 10 years now through uh, my sending church, New Covenant. Just an incredible guy. But he has um, a teaching he calls the models of ministry. And he says there are three models of ministry. There's the rejected, blessed, and accepted. And here's, here's the key elements to those specific things. The first one uh, is the focus of ministry. That, that's the focus. It's the person or thing that's being served by the work. And then you have the field of ministry. That's the beneficiary. That's the person or thing benefiting from the result of the ministry. And then lastly, you have the fuel. This is the facilitator, the person or thing that produces the results of ministry. And I, I want to just give you the synopsis of this teaching real quickly because it's going to help us explain what we're talking about when it comes to prioritizing people. Here's the first one, the rejected model. The rejected model has the program as the focus, God as the, the beneficiary, and people as the fuel. Have you ever been to this church? You know what I'm saying? Like, this is the church where you are just, they work you to death because we got to make sure that this program is successful. They had a program that they did for Halloween at Gateway Church that they saw 40,000 people coming to it every year. But every year after they had conversations about how it went, they talked about how <clears throat> there wasn't enough parking. So they would have to park people at the college across the freeway. And then they would have to rent charter buses to bus the people over to the church for the event. And the, the staff were being run ragged because it took three months to plan it and get it all together. And by the time it was over with, they were so tired, they couldn't do anything. And then they had gateway conference next and they had this and that. Well, what they found out was that the program was killing the people. So guess what they killed? The program. We got 40,000 people coming to this thing. Yeah, but at what cost? At what cost? How much discipleship was happening with those 40,000 people? Okay, well, we had 40,000 people here. See, numbers don't really mean a lot if there's no discipleship happening. Here's, here's, here's the problem is that when program is the focus, form is more important than the substance. Qualifications for ministry are ignored to facilitate the program. God is presumed to be pleased because he's the beneficiary of what is produced. In truth, God cannot stand this model, and he will wholeheartedly reject it every time. What about the accepted model? 
the accepted model is when people are the focus, beneficiary is the program, and God is the fuel. Now, you might think, okay, well, we got people as the focus. That's okay, right? That's good, right? Well, uh, hold on. God will accept this one because people are being taken care of, but it is just an accepted model. Here's why. When people are the focus, still form is more, about, uh, is more important than the substance. The government of the church becomes political in response to the people. Proper priorities and orders can be violated if the call is being fulfilled. It's a mindset that the end justifies the means. There's a presumption that because we desire the right outcomes, that God's blessing will be on it. God is presumed to be pleased, but he's not. But we think he is because the people are being taken care of. But then there's a blessed model of ministry where God is the focus. Come on, church. He's always the message. He's always the focus. The people benefit, and the program is the fuel. This is how it should be. When God is the focus, order and substance are in balance when intimacy results. God is sought and obeyed, resulting in structure of government governance that make God the head. People are ministered to and cared for and trained and equipped. Programs are seen as tools that facilitate ministry and care to people. Programs exist as long as they facilitate ministry, but when they do not serve the needs of the people any longer, they end and do not have a life of their own. Have you ever seen a program at a church that seems like it is alive and it is its own being, and we will do anything to make sure that program continues? That can be dangerous. Now, this is how things should be, okay? This is how it should be. And if we're going to operate like this, then there's some things we've got to avoid. We've got to avoid elevating systems above people. That's not what we do. We, we don't elevate a system above people here at all. In fact, whenever we have lead team meetings, we constantly talk about, okay, what are the things that we need to adjust so that people can be taken care of more? One of the things is in the kids' checkout line. We had a conversation this last time about having one iPad set up as people checking in and one iPad set up as people checking in for the first time because it takes longer to check in for the first time. So what are we doing? We're adjusting our program so that we can make sure people are prioritized. We have to avoid tuning an ear to the demands of the people. Wait, what? Hold on now. The, shouldn't we tune our ears to the demands of the people? No. The blessed model is designed to meet people's needs, not their demands. And if you want some clarity on what that means, why don't you think about your kid for a second? I bet you're happy to meet, meet their needs, but do you want to meet their demands? Like when my four-year-old says, you're going to make that cinnamon toast crunch right now. You better ask Jesus. Mm -mm. We also must avoid becoming distant and professional in our relationship with God. There is a business side of church, but church is not primarily a business. And the moment church becomes primarily a business, we stop prioritizing people. It becomes about the number of sheep, not the quality of the sheep. People are God's greatest treasure. That's why we value this core value. That's why we're married to the message, but never the method. That's why we're willing to adjust and change and refocus our programs and procedures. And that's why one of the reasons why we require our lead team to tithe. Why? It's because if we can't be trusted with earthly riches, how can God trust us with true riches? I mean, I know it sounds silly, but that's just the truth. So what I'd like to do today is I'd like to spend the remainder of our time um, talking about three reasons why we prioritize people. And here's my hope today is that you not only hear this, but that you begin to prioritize people more in your own life and see how God blesses those efforts. Okay, so here's the first one. When people are the priority, you're acting like your father. 
Anybody ever said to you, boy, you're acting just like your daddy. Yeah, just like your mama. Now, some of y'all, that might be good, bad, or ugly. I don't know what it could be, but when you prioritize people, you're acting just like your father in heaven. There are a ton of verses. We can read Jeremiah 29, 11, the, the official verse of graduation. He's got a plan for you. Psalm 139, God saw our substance, and in our book were written all the days, and uh, he, he fashioned those days for us. How precious are his thoughts. Listen, if somebody's thinking about you, that means that at least in that moment, they are prioritizing you. That's why husbands and wives, you get frustrated at your spouse when you're trying to talk to them about something important, and they're doing this. They're going, yeah, uh, uh-huh, what, no. Oh, that's terrible. Huh, huh. So, can you say what you said again? You, look, you better put down the phone, okay? Or like... It's going to be a problem. Anybody ever experienced that? Okay. See, some of y'all got brave. Some of y'all got real, real brave. Marriage class starts at 1 p.m. Sundays. Matthew 10, are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Now, if you're bald in here, you're just helping God out. And when you get to heaven, you're going to have like the 80s, you know, party here. So don't worry. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know, God doesn't prepare things for people that he doesn't prioritize first because he has to take a moment and prioritize you to create a plan for you. Why are these verses? It's because... I want you to see how God prioritizes you. Okay, but let me give you one more to help with this point. It's Isaiah 53.10. If you read Isaiah 53, be sure to do it with tissues because it's pretty incredible. Um, But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. That's you. And he will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. It was God's pleasure to crush his son so that you could be a part of the family. I don't know how God could prioritize you more than that. Prioritizing God and his people requires you to stop prioritizing yourself. There are a lot of verses about this, but let me just read one. Philippians 2, 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. I mean, if you haven't tried it yet, here's something you can try. Here's some homework for you. Um, start minimizing yourself and start maximizing other people and watch how, when you do that, how incredible your life gets. Okay. Now we live in a consumer culture. So the idea of doing that is kind of anathema to us. Like we don't want to do that. We don't like it. We, cause we want things for us, but when you start to minimize you and maximize other people for the sake of the Lord, what happens is you start acting like your daddy. And we start acting like your daddy, you start to see the results that your father gets. Remember, givers get rewarded, getters get disappointed. God prioritized you, and his simple request is just that you prioritize him. And when you prioritize him, you tend to prioritize the thing that he prioritizes. And you know what that is? People. Second one is this when we are Uh, When people are the priority, they feel welcomed, loved, and apart. 
Romans 14 is this incredible passage. You should read it, but um, it's all about the dangers of criticism. And, you know, we're not all the same. We've, we've experienced different things, different lives. We, we have different thought processes. We think different things are funny. And the evidence of that is look how many people send you TikToks that they think are funny. And you're like, okay, you can pinpoint, okay, this guy's humor is this. This guy's humor is this. Edgar, we're going to talk later. But, uh, no. <laughs> But no, it's, you see different types of humor and all that kind of stuff in different people. We're different, man. We have different backgrounds, different upbringings, different ideas, different thought processes. They may be right. They may be wrong. But, but there's a clear message in this chapter, and it's to prioritize people. We, we've spent too long in churches and families and relationships where we beat each other over the head about the dumbest stuff. Or, my goodness, if you think something that I don't think, then you get mad. No, just come on, man. Like. Like, just let's love each other first. Let's prioritize each other. Here's what it says in Romans 14. And I'm just going to read like a smattering of verses here. Except other believers who are weak in faith. Don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. Boy, don't we do that in church. I mean, like, we did it a lot in Bible college. And Bible college is a great place to argue about theology. But don't be like reaching up to grab a deodorant and start arguing once saved, always saved with the person that reaches up to get degree. See, if you got Mitchum, you'd be, you'd be clean, but you got degree. Like, come on, man. We argue about the dumbest things sometimes in church. What about this? So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Yes, each will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. Remember, the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Too long the church has beat the brakes off of people because of their sin. Somebody walks in, and maybe their sin is a little bit more obvious than your sin is, and so you beat them over the head with it. Well, you apparently got an addiction, or you apparently involved in stuff you shouldn't be involved in. Meanwhile, you're doing stuff too. Let me sit in here acting like you don't ever do anything wrong, like you don't ever make judgments in your heart against people, like you don't ever say a bad word when somebody cuts you off on the door. Come on, man, like we all mess up. But what we do is we put on these little masks in church. I'm going to get real with y'all for a second. We put on these little masks in church, and we try to make everybody think that we're on the up and up, and we're all good and all clean and all that kind of stuff. Meanwhile, our lives are in shambles, but at least they think I'm good. That's, that's not authentic relationship. That's not what that is. I remember Monique and I went to Cancun on a little vacation. We took like three days and, and went down there. And on the way out, there was a, a, a couple that walked in, and it was, uh, it was two women. And um, Monique let it out of the bag that I was a pastor. It's like, I can't even relax in Cancun, man. Like, I just, she's like, that's a preacher right there, you know, and, um, which is funny. But um, so one of the ladies looked at me, and she just said, so then what do you say about us? Now, why did she ask that? You know why? Because she knew what was going to come next, didn't she? She's like, oh, here we go. Here we go. Yeah, they're going to beat me over my head with this. And, you know, they're going to bring up Leviticus. They're going to bring up Romans 1. Yeah, we could talk about all that stuff. But here's what I said to her. I said, look, my job is not to tell you what you are or are not doing right or wrong. My job is to point you to your father in heaven. I want you to see who your dad is. When you see who your dad is, you're going to see who you are. And I said, if and when God talks to both of us about, or God speaks to you about dealing with an issue in your heart. He will have prepared both of our hearts for that moment. I got to be honest with you. Y'all think I'm all smart and all that stuff. I, I, it blew me away after it came out of my mouth. I'm dead serious. I said it and I was like, oh man, I got to write that down. Because that's... 
I think I even looked at her and I said, um, I said something like, uh, uh, tag me on the tweet or something like that. It's just something funny, but because she was crying her face off. Why have we gotten to a place in church where we're so quick to reach for judgment and not love, man? Does that mean that what she's doing is right? No, no, it's a, no it, doesn't, it doesn't condone the activity. But it's like, how about we build some relationship first and then let the Holy Spirit start to work stuff out? I'm not Jesus. I'm not the one that's going to fix and, and all that stuff. If you put me in that position, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to fail you. I'm not good enough to fix your sin problem. You know why? I got a sin problem too that I'm working through myself. We're, we're in the same boat. You asking me to walk on water. How about this? How about we let Jesus come meet us in the middle of the lake and let's hold his hand and let's walk on water together and deal with this thing. But to do that, I've got to prioritize you. I've got to look past your junk and maybe you'll look past my junk and we can love each other and help each other get to a better place in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Stop judging people because when you judge them, you don't prioritize them. Now listen, I love this church, and this is a church more than I think I've ever been in, where there is a, it's a no-judgment zone, man, and I love that here. I love that people aren't walking in, well, I can't believe she's wearing that. Some people tell me all the time, like, was there a dress code at your church? I'm like, I preach in jeans and a t-shirt. They're like, that's my people, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> only thing that some people would have been more comfortable with is I had cutoffs and Crocs, you know what I'm saying? But and I might do it next Sunday, you know. <laughs> no, I'm not. I don't want anybody to stumble, so... Do you know how you prioritize people? You love them first. 1 Peter 4, 8 says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. I'm not saying condone sin. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying be okay with a lifestyle that is not in accordance with what God says. But do you really think people are going to find a relationship with Jesus just willy-nilly out in the woods? I'm just driving down the road and like an angel appeared in the sky. That might happen with some people, but it sure doesn't happen with everybody. You know, tip, people typically change because they've seen, Je- they've seen Jesus in you, not in a cloud. And if you want them to see Jesus in you, you got to stop hating on them because of what you see in them and start looking at what Jesus sees in them. Because my Lord, I'm, I'm terrified of the day when Jesus sees me how other people have seen me. Or Jesus sees me even how I've seen myself sometimes. I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful that when he sees me, he doesn't see my mess. He sees his blood. He sees something he loves and he was willing to die for. He prioritized me. When you, have, when you prioritize people, it has the power to create unity, even if there are differences. Now, obviously, there can't be unity in some things. Like, Jesus is the only way, man. We, we are not a works-based salvation here at Freedom Church. And in fact, let me just, I'm going to record and say this. Um, you, you don't have to speak in tongues to be saved. That is unbiblical. Now, the reason people think that is because speaking in tongues is evidence of the infilling of the Holy Spirit, and infilling the Holy Spirit is evidence of your salvation. Um, that's, that's just, it's not biblical. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Let's go to what the Word says. Romans 10, 9 and, said, you, 9 and 10, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you're saved. Okay? Like, I love you, but, but I'm doing that is the same thing the Pharisees did to try to make you jump through more hoops to get to Jesus. I think Jesus wants you to jump through less hoops to get to him. 
And I think he's done everything he can can possibly do to make sure that you can get to him. I know people who have had the strongest, closest lives with Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, who've never said one word of tongues. It is not the indicator of a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. We call some things non-essential theology. And they destroy unity, man. Once saved, always saved. Why you want to know? What, you want to know where the line is? I mean, my goodness, it's like if, if that was the line between saved and unsaved, all right, and, and they said, okay, hell's on the other side of the line. I'm not going to be over here like, hmm, geez, what's going on over here? Let's see what's up, guys. Ooh, that's really hot, you know. Like, if I ever get cold in heaven, I'll just come right over. No, that's not what it's about. Why do you want to know where the line is? Is it so you can know how close you can get to sin before you get lost? Is that what it is? Now, listen, I know some people have wanted to know that because they've had loved ones that have been, you know, that have died and they were unsure of their salvation. They know back, you know, when they were kids, they made some kind of confession. I know that's a part of it and I get that. But, but let me give you the answer for once. They've always said, live for Jesus. Don't worry about it. But we'll argue. We'll, we will start another church across the street over something that's not essential. Can't drink. Okay, man. Jesus drank wine. I almost had somebody fight me in high school. Because Jesus drank grape juice. I said, yeah, fermented. And that's when he, he threw the glove down. Like, Anyway, it's so silly. This whole chapter in Romans 14 talks about all this mess, eating and drinking and all that kind of stuff. Paul gets really bold, though, um, in verse 15. If another believer is distressed by what you eat, you're not acting in love. If you eat it, don't let your eating ruin someone else from who, for who Christ died. It, it, now, obviously, we don't deal with stuff like eating and drinking so much now, but what about the modern neighbor equivalent, like getting the jab or not? Where, I don't care where you stand on it. Do what you think's right for you. But my goodness, don't bust on somebody else if they did or didn't. What, that creates disunity. Trust the government or don't. It's kind of hard to trust the government. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just going to throw it out there to you. I mean, but I mean, uh, Y'all, hear me. Just hear my heart, because, because I know this can be touchy, but are we really going to let donkeys and elephants destroy our unity in Christ Jesus? Now, here's the problem with it, is that there are thought processes within those political organizations that are either really close to what the Bible says or really far away from the Bible says. But I'm just asking you to do this. Don't be a Christian Democrat or a Christian Republican. Be a Christian and let your morality with Jesus influence who and what you vote for. But don't you dare let politics, something as silly as politics, destroy the unity that God wants to create in our hearts and lives. Don't let your refusal to prioritize a person ruin them. When you focus on people, you have the power to make them feel apart. I mean, I have a little story here about Matthew whenever he was, when he was chosen. Matthew... He was sitting there. He was a tax collector. He was hated. Everybody hated this dude, right? Pharisees especially. And Jesus walks right up and says, hey, come be a follower. Come on. And when Matthew gets up to go with Jesus, he says, hey, where do you live? Over there. Call up some of your friends. Let's hang out. Do you think Matthew felt prioritized in that moment? Yeah, of course he did. It made the Pharisees so angry and so upset. But the simple act of prioritizing somebody can stop them from feeling apart and make them feel apart. 
Isn't English fun? But, but that's what I'm talking about. It's like when we prioritize people and, and we look past maybe a difference we have, here's what you're going to find. Most times when you have a difference with somebody, you sit down and have a conversation, you ain't really that far off. You're not really that far. Now, listen, that doesn't work across the board. Sometimes you're like, okay, you are weird. You know, I'm kidding. I'm just joking. God even loves weird people. He died to save everybody, remember? And don't forget that you are in large part a product of your raising. Not everybody was raised with Christian ideology in their home. So again, don't bust on somebody. Show them love, show them mercy, welcome them, make them feel apart. Last one is this. When, we, uh, when people have priority... Walking out purpose is inevitable. Um, the next two weeks, um, I'm actually not going to be here. I'll be, um, uh, the ne- next week I'll be at the NIH with my daughter, um, taking her up for her trip. It's her birthday. She really wanted me to go with her. And so we're going to go do that, get her treatment and all that. And the week after that, we have a conference we're going to in Florida, one we go to every year. Um, that just, I wouldn't miss it for the world. I get so pumped up after going to this. But um, Pastor Tony is speaking next week about development is our focus. And then Pastor Deborah is speaking the following week on um, development as our focus. And uh, the reason we're doing two weeks in a row is simply because development is the biggest thing that we do here. It's, we are, so many of people on our team, our staff, our hearts, we live and breathe for developing people. And so we're going to do that. But what's the best way to develop people? Maybe they'll talk a little bit about that on the Sundays, but what's the best way to develop people? And um, honestly, it's prioritizing them. It's that simple. You cannot develop somebody that you're not prioritizing. Um, every, every Tuesday, I send a text message at 9 o'clock to somebody. Every Tuesday. It's on, my, it's on my reminders. Every week, I get a message. And you know why I do that? It's because I'm prioritizing that person. At 9 o'clock, that person has my undivided attention. Now, they may be developed. They may not. They may just like having somebody just checking on them. But I'm going to spend that time prioritizing them. Why? Because whatever God has for them, it's more important to me that that happens than anything. And so if the simple act of me prioritizing them in that moment is a part of what makes that thing happen, I'll do it every day and twice on Sunday. I actually am doing it every day and twice on Sunday right now because we're have this and we have freedom curriculums tonight. The best way to get people to their purpose starts with prioritizing them. And every story where Jesus had an interaction with another person, he stopped to focus on them. Now, it's so easy to get lost in the business of the world we live in where we miss moments of purpose because we don't prioritize who's in front of us. I like my phone, but I can't get my phone into the kingdom purpose, okay? I, can't, I can get very busy, but crossing things off my list won't necessarily see the kingdom move. So we have to make sure that we prioritize people. But when we prioritize people, it also means that we have to deprioritize something else, Okay, now, I'm not saying that you deprioritize your family so you can go do kingdom stuff. Okay, remember, there is structure. And if you need some more information about that, we have a whole series we just did called Structure. You need to go check it out. Um, You can't do that. But I do want you to have godly wisdom on who and how to prioritize. Now, you may think, well, dude, you're going to be up here tonight teaching this class, so you're not prioritizing your family in that. Hey, my family and I have arrangements and we've made time and made availability for these different things so that I can make sure I get the kids' needs met, my wife's needs met, and my needs met, and I can meet needs of people. It's wisdom. Just use wisdom to do that. Here's the big idea. When you prioritize people, kingdom prioritization, 
It's just a matter of time before people walk out their purpose. And yes, it takes development. Yes, it takes them wanting it. But it has to start reprioritizing them. Look, I can't want your development more than you do. You've got to. Now, if you are developing people, here's a great question you can ask. God, help me see what I cannot see. Okay. Now, my mom used to pray this all the time. Used to make me so mad because the Holy Spirit's a snitch. And he will tell on you, okay? So you might think, well, you know what? I'm not developing anybody. Yeah, you are. You got kids. You're developing somebody. Yeah. I don't have kids. Look in the mirror. If you stop developing you, all is lost. You know why? Because I can't make you want it. I can't. So you've got to do it. You've got to do this. But you're developing. So maybe you look in the mirror and you say, Holy Spirit, show me what I can't see about myself. Maybe you grab your wife's hand before y'all go to bed at night and y'all take a moment and say, God, help me see what I can't see about my marriage. Help me see what I can't see in my kid's life. Holy Spirit might say, you know what? Your, your 11-year-old has been bullied like crazy and the reason they've shut down in the last six months is because of that. And then what you do, you prioritize that kid to make sure that you deal with the problem. Prioritizing people is a big idea, guys. I want to say one more thing before we're done. Um, if you aren't feeling prioritized, I want to give you just a couple of encouragements. First um, is do unto others. Um, Satan wants you to feel overlooked so that you will become bitter and back away from the family. People don't ever reach out to me. People don't ever call me. People don't ever check up on me. That might be the case. I, I, I don't know. Uh, one of the things here at Freedom is as we've grown, I can't do everything. And so we have a team of people that we use to reach out and to make sure that everything's good. We do our best to do that. And so there are times I know when people do fall through the cracks and all I get it. it. It can happen sometimes. We're not trying to do this. We're wanting to do this with all of our heart. But here's how you counteract thought processes like that is you do the very thing to others that you want done to you. So if nobody's checked up on you, here's my question. Who have you checked up on? Like, I said this in first service, before you go on Facebook and blast us because we're not checking up on you, how about you just check up on somebody else first? Do to somebody else what you want them to do to you. You see what I'm saying? Be a part of the solution. We're, we're not intentionally ignoring people. We're, we're human beings. It doesn't mean that, that we're just like, oh, we don't care about them. No, it's we're doing everything we can, but it's like, it's difficult. We got, we got, if everybody came in once, we'd have 300 people at this church. Like, seriously, that's a lot of people. So we do our best, but help us check up on people. Here's what happens. The Bible promises in Proverbs that those who water will themselves be watered. That's Proverbs 11:35. If you feel like you ain't getting enough water, talk to me and we'll, we'll talk about it, but do some water on yourself. And when you do some water on yourself, the Bible promises you'll be watered. And that's the second part of it, too, is tell somebody, I can't fix what I don't know about. So not recognizing is not an evidence that we don't care. It's just evidence that we're not perfect human beings. Let's work together on this. Amen. Amen. Prioritize each other. I'm trying to prioritize y'all. Y'all prioritize me. Check up on me, too. Like, hey, you good? I don't know, man. People are God's greatest treasure. And if God thinks that, we do, too. People matter. And that means we value them, love them, serve them, invest in them no matter what. Put others' needs above your own. Give time and effort to people. Celebrate when things are good. Cry when things are bad. Recognize greatness and call it out. Be a faithful friend and a trusted advocate. 
Have courageous conversations filled with truth and grace. Go over and above to meet needs. Recognize people and give them your attention. Develop, disciple, and give people space to walk out their purpose. Lead with love. This is how we prioritize people at Freedom Church. And we do it because God prioritized us. John 3.16, he gave his only son for us. So here's some homework, maybe, as often as you possibly can. Prioritize somebody. Put them before yourself. It means love them, accept them, speak life into them, listen to them. But it also means that you get the chance to help them get to their purpose. Last thing I have in my notes for you is simply this. and You're going to take just a moment and prioritize you right now. So would you take a moment and bow your heads? The reason we ask you to do this is just so you can not focus on the person around you. You can focus on him. I want you to read Psalm 139 at some point this week. I'll post it on Facebook so we can all have access to it. But here's what some of it says. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. For you form my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. I would count them, if they were, uh, but they are more than the sand. Let me give you one more. Romans 5.8. God showed his love for us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. I want you to know that's how far he went to prioritize you. How far will you go to prioritize someone else? Father, we thank you so much today that you prioritized us, that you gave your son, that Jesus you went to the cross. Jesus, you were acting just like your father when you died for us, prioritizing us. And so we just want to first take a moment, church, just say thank you to him for it. Thank you, God, that you have a plan for me and a purpose for me. Thank you, God, that you saw me in my state and you still wanted me and you gave everything for me. Thank you for prioritizing me. And I'm asking you to help me prioritize your people. God, help me prioritize people. Help me Focus on them. Help me do everything you've called me to do. Help me use that prioritization to see the kingdom come in their lives. Maybe here today and, and, and you need to prioritize Jesus in this moment. You need to make him Lord of your life. Maybe you need to rededicate your life to him. It's simple. Jesus, you're Lord. I make you Lord. I confess you as Lord. Say those words. I believe in you, Jesus. If you mean it, he means that you're saved. This is something we say every day. Jesus, you're Lord today. I may be a moron tomorrow, but I'm today you're my Lord today, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Help us prioritize people. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. At Freedom, we want to help you have authentic relationships with God and his people, to have real experiences with the Holy Spirit, and to find lasting freedom. 
If the Holy Spirit speaks to you through this message, or if you want to make a decision for Jesus, please reach out at freedomdl.com connect. For more info on freedom, including service times and location, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening.